achievement addict? What is that all about? How can anyone be addicted to achievements? Hi everyone, welcome back. Welcome back to Uplift My Life Today podcast. My name is Astuti and I am your host. And for those of you who do not know this, this podcast is dedicated as a way to share tips and inspirations on how to create the life that you want. And a lot of the reflections and inspiration that I will be sharing here is based on my work as a life coach and a subconscious mind reprogrammer. Today, I am doing this podcast from Zurich. As you may know, I've been traveling quite a bit lately. And uh, the nice thing about me on the move is that I somehow feel that I have more space and time to do a lot more reflections. And one of the most important things that I realized lately is exactly what I'm going to share now in this podcast. So recently... I published an infographic um, in my website, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook pages. And this infographic depicts the relationship between our fundamental beliefs and how we show up in our lives. As people, we tend to show up in three ways. As a procrastinator, as an achievement addict, or as an uplifted go-getter. Exactly. So, in this episode, I'm sharing with you my reflections about achievement addicts. How these individuals tend to show up in their lives, some key beliefs that they have, and the kind of reality they often find themselves in. So, when the term achievement addict intrigues you, make time. Make time in your agenda to listen to this episode. Straight off the bat, I'd love to let you know that this topic is something that is very close to my heart. For many, many years, many, many years, I was an achievement addict. I did not even realize it until I experienced a burnout at the end of 2008. It's crazy, I know. And this is why I feel like it's good to share with you my reflections about this topic. As I dealt with the physical symptoms that the burnout brought out in 2008, I remember taking a vow to myself that I would do anything anything to get better and in order for me to get better I had to review every part of my life and to understand how I as a person operate so in this episode I add in my own story in some parts but what I'm sharing is way beyond just my story but also the people that I work with
the first question: Who are achievement addicts? Are there really achievement addicts? Well, knowing that I was one, I can tell you yes, <laughs> there is, and I know that I'm not the only one. So the way I would describe achievement addicts is this: Achievement addicts are individuals whose life is very, very driven by achieving and by growth. Okay. However, in the process of achieving and growing, at some point in their lives, triggered by different things, there is a tipping point in this journey where they start to unconsciously neglect their well-being so much so over time, the joy and fun in growing and achieving dissipates. Almost all together, leaving them feeling exhausted, empty, in some cases even numbness, and disconnected. And disconnection is not only with other people, but definitely with themselves. The biggest problem in this situation is that oftentimes <laughs> these people do not realize that they're neglecting themselves as they're in it. They usually only realize it when something quite profound stops them in their tracks, like illnesses, burnout, one way or another losing a job, divorces, something. See, to love growing and achieving is definitely not negative, not in my book anyway. I consider it to be healthy because it is one of the most prominent human desires. But it becomes a huge problem, however, when the journey in growing and achieving is being fueled by something intangible, unseen beliefs or programs or habits that eventually become habits, which is automatic, that eventually becomes hurdles and burdens and that is basically becoming highly counterproductive to the whole intention of growing and achieving so let's start here how do you spot an achievement addict what are the symptoms there are a number of ways these people tend to show up in their lives. Firstly, they generally have a lot of energy and often this energy is quite intense, more so than many. They tend to be assertive and passionate. They meet life head on and with confidence. Doing things half-heartedly is not something they do. This is the first symptom. The second symptom these people are very action-oriented. Thinking or discussing something is usually not satisfying enough for them until the idea or the topic of discussion translates into action that they can complete. The third, they love taking initiative. They love to make things happen. And in the process, they also take care and protect the people in their lives. I mean, this could be their family, work colleagues, team members, peers, whoever, they, they choose to. So they are very active and they're very caring and protective. The fourth symptoms, they're driven 
by a strong desire to excel. This need to excel is often them comparing one of their achievements to their own achievements. For some people, they're comparing their achievements against the achievement of others. In any case, they enjoy keeping score on what they have accomplished. And other symptoms, many of them are risk takers. There's this strong attitude of can do in them. They make decisions and oftentimes in the time of crisis, they become this go-to person by the people because they are very comfortable in making decisions even though they don't know everything about what they're facing, but they have this confidence and courage actually to make decisions. They also have the tendency to get on to something bigger, something more complex, more challenging. Uh, once they make a decision, it's time to move on from one to another, achievements or one goal to another. It For, for people outside of their lives, comments like, why are you taking a more difficult route? Or why would you go to where no one has ever been before? You're often being thrown back at them. Fear is definitely not a word they like to include in their vocabulary. And, um, and for that, once they are committing themselves to something, what is it, whatever it is that they're committing becomes the sole, almost always, focus of their existence. And the other thing that they like is they like to plan their moves ahead. Um, sometimes they think of two steps ahead. Uh, sometimes one is not enough, but they like to think ahead a lot. So two things that I usually identify the main success for this group of people is the growth path they choose to undertake. It's basically telling them how they grow, how much they grow and the achievements that come from it. It's not only about the journey to grow, but it's also what is the outcome. It's as equally important. I think at work, being considered and giving a larger or more complex assignment is usually what they're very keen in, along with the perks to succeed. So they wouldn't just, you know, I'll take this uh, challenge. They also will demand what is it coming with to make it successful for me. So the perks like, the title or the promotion or the team to work with, the resources, the supports, finance, uh, budget, etc. And this is more important for them than money. It's not to say that money is not important for them, but certainly money or financial reward is not something that wakes or that gets them up every morning. Okay, by now, when you listen to the descriptions that I have shared up to this point, you may think, well, it's not so bad, all these symptoms, these pretty, these look like pretty good qualities. And it is absolutely true, absolutely true. And these tendencies also shared by, you know, another way of us showing up in our lives, which I call the uplifted go-getter. These people also have shared these similar qualities. Just give, just, just keep on listening for another minute because you'll see soon where this tendency are going to differ. So with the achievement addicts, when they are triggered and the trigger points can be done by anyone or anything, it's very, very personal to different people. 
they then respond with the following tendencies. They think of themselves as the one who is responsible for everything and everyone, and they must put others first before them. Now, when such things get ignited because of the trigger in their growth and achieving process over time, this turns to a situation where the, they deprioritize their own well-being. Yeah? So like eating healthy, eating well, or eating at all, exercise, making time to rest, recharge, relax, sleep well, spend time with their loved ones, take time off. This just goes straight out of the window. The thing with these people is, with achievement addicts, they have a belief also that they must be strong all the time. And this belief can get them endure this neglect of self over a very long period of time. This belief also helped them to, to persevere difficult times. That sometimes works for them, but in some cases when it's the it when the self-neglection become or happening over a very long period of time, this takes a toll a lot on these achievement addicts. Another tendency is because they believe that they are responsible for everything, that they have to be strong all the time, and that they put others first before them, it is very uncomfortable and unnatural for them to ask for help. It's so difficult for them to ask for help. In one hand, they become very resourceful in coming up with many different ways to get things done because they really want to avoid asking help. But on the other hand, when they find themselves in a place where they need to ask for help because hello is inevitable to be in that position, they do not do it with joy, but with a sense of inner defeat. Inner defeat is the one of the most awful feeling that every achievement addict is avoiding at all costs, if possible. See, achievement addict tends to be the one that judge themselves the most. They expect a lot from themselves, more so than other people. So does it mean they don't like to receive help? No. They do appreciate help because they do get tired as long as they do not have to ask for it. For them... Asking help makes them feel awkward because for them, asking help means they fail themselves. It means they're weak. It, mean, it means all the things that they're judging themselves against. All achievement addicts tend to believe that it is wisest only to trust him or herself or very few selected people. This is another thing. It's very hard for them to trust. And it eventually takes a toll in their lives at some point. Achievement addict is obsessed also with speed. They often think fast and act too. Whenever asked something, they would refer to what they think about it. It's, come, it's going to the head, not through the body, not through their heart. Even when the answer would require them to feel. When achievement addict 
it's operating full swing, feeling is the last thing they refer to, if at all. They often perceive feeling as a hindrance, as it is slowing down their pace, and pace is super important for them. Showing vulnerability, oh my God, is a big no-no. And one of the most difficult things to experience in their lives for them to access the real feeling when they're growing and to acknowledge these feelings within them is a sign of weakness. Remember, they judge themselves a lot. Achievement addicts also tend to feel like time is never on their side very often. They find it very difficult to switch off their mind from the topic that they're focusing on, basically the goals. So consequently, feedback from people around them that says, hey, you're not present here. Where are you? I can see you sitting there, but you're not fully here. You're not even listening to what we're saying is often being said. Being present for anything other than what their goals are is very challenging for them. And also because achievement addicts tend to think too fast, a lot of people cannot or do not want to keep up really with them. And this often creates a belief within these achievement addicts that I can only rely on myself the most. Rightly so, because other people, some, they just choose not to keep up with the speed of uh, the progression of their thoughts um, by choice. Some cannot. So the achievement addicts, tend to have this belief that I can only rely on myself the most. And this belief really does not help them to learn to ask for help. When lucky, this individual may manage to surround themselves with like-minded people that they would call inner circle. And with these people, they would choose to trust them and would be more inclined to show their vulnerable side. But if they're not as lucky, meaning they're not as lucky to find, you know, or to find like-minded, like-hearted people around them, they will feel that many of us would call as a single fighter. And this is quite isolating. And it can feel like the world is fighting against them. And when this happens... The feeling of defeat often arises and it is one of the worst feelings for achievement addicts. I was fortunate back in the days, um, throughout my life, throughout my career, I have always managed to find like-minded, like-hearted group of friends and colleagues um, that were able and willing to keep up with me until today. Um, when that happens, we are always very synced in, in so many ways. And I do feel safer to rely on them and to show my vulnerable side of myself to them. Trust me, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. So as a former achievement addict, I felt blessed to have these people around me. I never felt like I was a single fighter ever. But I know this had happened to other people and this was really really hard for whoever who is who was experiencing or is experiencing this 
as you listen to this sharing, some of you may resonate with all the symptoms that I shared. Some of them, some of you may just see a few. Um, in my case, I don't have all of them. I had a lot of them, but not all of them either. Um, and also, you may resonate with some of the description I shared with certain intensity, lower intensity, medium intensity, full intensity. It really doesn't matter. You can be anywhere in the scale of these descriptions. But what matters most is this. No one, I mean no one, gets up in the morning to consciously choosing to deprive oneself of energy, of love, of connections, of enjoyment, of health, of feeling successful. I refuse to believe that, being a former achievement addict myself. Every day, we set the best intentions for our lives to grow and to achieve in the healthiest and most uplifting ways, as well as to be useful for others. Now, for uplifted go-getter, most days, they experience the journey in growing and achieving to be joyful, fun, energizing, filled with inner peace and contentment, regardless how difficult the day could be. They manage to enjoy both the process and the achievements itself. But for achievement addict, usually it started off like the uplifted go-getter until there is a tipping point where can when they can no longer enjoy the process nor the achievements. It turns into a more about go, 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 and little pressure and joy and then feeling exhausted, often depleted. So what is the cause of the vast difference between achievement addicts and uplifted go-getter? My friends, the difference is just the fundamental beliefs that run their subconscious mind. That's the difference. Uplifted go-getter do what they do because they believe and live their life with conviction that they are enough as they are, first and foremost, that they believe in two ways relationship, to give and to take, to help and be helped. They are balanced in themselves and they are their best supporters. Knowing that they're really kind to themselves, they listen to themselves, they care for themselves, they honor what they, their souls, their body, their, their emotional want, their emotions want, and make space for it while still achieving so many things. They grow from a place of love for themselves. It's not fearing of anything. And when they feel fear, they understand that it is just illusion or their minds playing trick on them. The uplifted go-getter also choose to believe that they have a lot of talent and potential to unleash and that what they produce can be of use for many, many people. They create good meanings of what they choose to do. Consequently, they consider caring for their well-being to be a measure of success, not just growth and achievement, but well-being. And most importantly, they are truly able to see life in a healthy way. They see day-to-day interactions, challenges, mistakes, and failures 
as opportunities for them to get to know themselves and to learn something new. They choose, underline this, to be grateful for these opportunities. Such gratitude ground them and help them to see lives from a healthy perspective. Now, achievement addicts, they do what they do because they want to prove to themselves and others that they are enough and worthy of connections, recognition, love, and belonging. They start from a place of lack. So when I was on this automatic mode for many, many years, not even knowing I had this mode, it's just normal to me, to do well at school, to do well at work, to perform well, to give more than expected anywhere, anytime. The things that drives me to do that was the belief that when I do this, then my family will love me, my grandparents will love me, my colleagues will love me, my boss will love me. It's all about attaining worthy, the feeling of worthy, of love, of connections, of acceptance. And this, I didn't even know that. It's not something that I know every day coming out, oh, I need to get more love today. No, this was just something that is running. But what is very important to understand from this sharing is that I had, I had a feeling of luck before that I just feel like I have to deliver and achieve so much. So I become convinced or I start to feel that one day with enough achievements, I will be accepted and loved. You see, it's coming from a place of lack. And that is the difference. That is the difference between achievement addicts and uplifted go-getter. Now, friends, this is the good news. Since then, I have, since 2008, I have changed a lot in my life that I am very well and very happy to tell you I'm in the track to be, I'm in the track of uplifted go-getter. I still go get out there, but I really don't feel the feeling like I have to achieve a lot because somebody's going to then love me. That's not, none of that exists anymore. So this is how can we shift from achievement addicts to uplifted go-getter? Well, the good news is that, yes, being an achievement addict or an uplifted go-getter is nothing more than the consequences of the unconscious beliefs that we all have in our subconscious mind running our lives. For most achievement addicts, the deepest reason why they show up in their lives like that is because they don't feel worthy. There is such a strong sense of not enoughness in who they are without their achievements or proof of growth. Self-care is not natural to them because they have to put other people's first. And um, what is natural for them is giving too much or even sacrificing themselves. Now, the truth is, achievement addicts decide a long time ago that by growing and achieving a lot, one day they will feel enough. It is so sad. It's so sad coming from a person experience that it was. And it was so sad to realize that's what I had. But yet it is more common to happen. Wait, so why, why did I say a long time ago? 
Let me elaborate this a little bit. Human mind has two parts, okay? It's the first one is the subconscious mind and this, the second one is the conscious mind. The subconscious mind is the original brain of our mind and it can process 40 million bits of data from the environment every second. It's super fast and powerful. Yet, the subconscious mind is totally habitual. It's not creative at all. And the content of it is given by whatever we are experiencing in life. So it's not a choice. It's just absorbing everything that we are experiencing. The second part of the human mind is the conscious mind. And this is um, an add-on options. And most people don't use it well. The conscious mind can only process, however, 40 bits of data per second. It is pretty slow compared to the subconscious mind. However, our conscious mind is the part of our mind that is creative and it is generating free will. What does it mean? So in the case of the achievement addicts, the decision <clears throat> to grow and to be useful for others is coming from the conscious mind is a result of your conscious mind deciding, yeah, this is what I would like to achieve and do. It's your choice. It's your free will. However, the conscious mind is much less powerful than the second mind, the subconscious mind. Okay. This is why it's not easy to achieve whatever it is that you decide to do. According to cognitive neuroscientists, human are only conscious of only 5% of our cognitive activity. For most people, 1% of their day is in their conscious mind, which means every day, you are only creating from your creation, from your conscious mind, 1% of what is going on in your life, okay? Therefore, 95 to 99% of your life comes from the automatic habitual programming in your subconscious mind. And this is why some of us show up in our lives as an uplifted go-getter and some as achievement addict. Believes which is assumptions about ourselves, about who we are, about others, and about life, form the automatic programs in your subconscious mind that creates your habits. Your subconscious mind job is to create reality out of whatever programs you have in there. So for example, if the program in your subconscious mind says that you must be strong all the time, it will stop you or will make it very difficult for you to ask for help and to receive help when you are doing every when you are doing everything to grow and to be useful for others consequently because your subconscious mind is way stronger than your conscious mind you'll be exhausted as being there for everyone and everything will scatter your focus and take a lot of your energy not only that it also brings you a feeling of disconnection and isolation because you just don't want to ask for help nor receive help. That means you are refusing connections. So here's the thing. Your conscious mind and your subconscious mind 
work together all the time, always. When your conscious mind is focusing on something, it controls what it's focusing on. When it does not focus on that, the subconscious mind takes control. What the conscious mind does often, because this is what it does, is to think of the past or future usually, which means it is not thinking about right now or the present. And when this happens, your day is being run by the automatic habitual programs in your subconscious mind. Now, listen and listen carefully. For adults, most of the programs in your subconscious mind have been integrated there before we turned seven years old. Seven years old. And this means most of your day, you are not playing programs in your subconscious mind that you have chosen. You are running multiple programs that were given to you by your environment, by others before you turn seven years old. And this is exactly what happens to achievement addicts when they are sabotaging themselves, when they're neglecting their well-being. It's because there are programs, automatic programs that run their lives, that were formed and placed there before they're seven years old to tell them that result in them not taking care of themselves. The habitual programs that they still have and running in their subconscious mind are not at all congruent with what they choose to experience. They're actually the opposite of each other. Simply said, their conscious mind and subconscious mind are not in alignment at all. Unfortunately, for many, many people, burnout happens, divorce happens, illness happens. There's a variety of it awakens them that they have to start over and this time wisely and carefully. So what can be done? First, revise what success is for you. This is very important. Achievement addicts is very goal-oriented people. So make sure you have the right goal. Your goal orientation, the drive, all these things, they are a very strong asset for you. So when you have more encompassing goals for your life, you'll achieve them. Just add in self-care and self-love into what success looks like for you. And second, change the program in your subconscious mind. Delete the old ones that were put there by your environment and replace them with the ones of your choices as conscious adults. How? It is actually much more accessible and easier than most people think. And there are a number of modalities for this. For me, in transformational journey, speed and depth matter most. Rapid transformational therapy, or known as RTT, emotional freedom technique, or EFT, matrix imprinting, and resonance repartening, I find to be highly effective for me. They quickly get into the limiting beliefs that cause self-sabotaging behavior, heal the emotional traumas that create these beliefs then, and replace them with uplifting ones permanently, and rapidly 
as a life coach and a subconscious mind programmer, I work with RTT or rapid transformational therapy, EFT and matrix imprinting. These are the modalities that I do for, with my clients and this can be done also virtually. I am convinced that regardless where we are in the world, we all want the same thing. To feel well and healthy in our lives, to feel a sense of purpose from our existence, to feel that we are positively impacting others and to live deeply in a, in a conviction that we are really loved as we are. I only have one recommendation for you to shift yourself from achievement addicts to uplifted go-getter. Align. Align your conscious and your subconscious mind. Get a certified therapist to help you. It is the best investment you can do for your well-being. Trust me, I was there. And trust me, I am here now helping others on a daily basis. Thank you for listening. Take with you what you will. And see you in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye.